Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Bills Mafia podcast. Today is April 20th, 2020. Today I'm joined by one of the best Buffalo Bills writers in the area from NY up, Mr. Matt Perino. Matt, how are you doing today? Well, thanks for the kind words, my friend. Uh, it's good to, good to join you. I'm good. Uh, getting ready for uh, draft week here officially. Yeah, very uh, important. Follow, give him a follow on Twitter, at Matt Perino, and on Instagram, at Matt Perino. Um, so how has, before we start talking about football, how has uh, life been on the quarantine for you, and uh, what have you been up to? I mean, just a lot of studying. Uh, got a nice little break from uh, draft prep last night with the Michael Jordan documentary starting. That was a fun time. Yep. Um, but uh, we also, my wife and I, have, have made it through most of the Marvel movies. I think we've watched 19 now, so we have okay. four left. Uh, that was a good time. And then, uh, yeah, just really just getting ready for this draft because it's funny, people like – ask us a million questions about the you know the draft stuff but I don't really watch college football so like during the season um I'm all bills all the time all NFL all the time so like it's really a race to catch up from the end of the season which went longer this year with the bills playing in January and so uh I've spent the last three and a half months getting ready and now I feel like you know especially for day two with the with second and third round pick I'm I'm dialed in locked in ready to go so Got a lot of potential options. Oh, for sure. Uh, you're entering your third year at NY Up, correct? Uh, yes, this will be my third season coming out covering the Bills for NY Up. Okay, so I'm going to start with uh, – I'm going to jump to the draft, but first I want to start with uh, a possible trade candidate for the Buffalo Bills, Leonard Fournette from Jacksonville. Um, yeah. He is only going to take $4 million in cap this year, and Ryan Talbot has also mentioned in his recent article that he – um, he, Brandon Bean did, um, do his studying on Leonard Fournette, uh, back in Carolina because he had the option of either picking, um, McCaffrey or Fournette at his, uh, pick. So he, he knows a lot about Fournette and obviously they made the right decision going with McCaffrey because Fournette was already off the board. But what, what would you, uh, think that Fournette would bring to the offense for the Bills? Well, I think that it's, number one, economical. I mean, the, the number is not super high. And I think if you're looking for a complementary back and you want to go in the, in the direction of a downhill, in-between-the-tackles, bruising-type presence, that Fournette fits the, fits the mold there. Uh, obviously, a couple people have made the argument about potentially um, – uh, what it would what would it yield in a comp pick if you can bring in Leonard Fournette, have him have a nice season, and then have him leave via free agency and get a draft pick back for it. Uh, it makes a lot of sense because 2020, really, you go back and, and listen closely over the years to Brandon and Sean talk about the rebuild. Year four was always kind of the earmarked year where they wanted to compete and they wanted to go for it. And now I think with the experience they got last year going in the playoff game, um, they're set up with the way they built this roster uh, and the addition of Stefan Diggs to really go for it. So I think if you could add another playmaker in the backfield, I know a lot of people are super high on, on some of these running backs coming out of school. Uh, and we saw last year that Devin Singletary could have uh, the, the impact he had in year one. But for every Devin Singletary, I feel like there's a handful of guys that might miss or might not have the immediate impact that you're hoping for. So it's a little bit more of a gamble. And while Fournette hasn't been like 
a bona fide star or anything. He's been a pretty consistent producer, especially for an offense that hasn't had a really good quarterback for the most part over the years here. Um, during his time, I mean, Blake Bortles was the quarterback for most of the years there, and he stunk. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think it's an interesting move, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, some One of the big things that people bring up is, uh, you know, maybe a deterrent or maybe uh, why the Bills wouldn't do it is because of, you know, him being perceived as a locker room uh, problem. Okay. Not the culture. Yeah, but the thing about that is I think Brandon spoke to that a few weeks ago. Is like, listen, there's a misnomer out there. We're not looking for choir boys. We're looking for guys that love football and want to compete. So that's the, the test that Fournette has to pass. You know, the fight against Shaq Lawson. I mean, listen, how many fights do we see every, every training camp uh, across the league? I mean, fights are, are fights. They happen all the time. It's a very physical game. Um, but it comes down to does he fit from a football mentality standpoint? So that's what they'll have to try to figure out. Yeah, not to mention he also is coming off a career high in yards. I think over like 1,150 rushing yards. And he's also caught the ball at a good rate last year with 76 <laughs> catches for 522 yards. So he's definitely contributed to a team that necessarily doesn't even have a back rate of an offense. It would be a tough. It would be a tough blow for uh, T.J. Eldon because he spent his most of his time in Jacksonville on the depth chart below Fournette. And yeah. He would go right back to being in that third hole uh, in Buffalo, and it would be behind Fournette again. So, but I, I think that they're close from something that I read at some point. I think that they're friends, so that might be you know if if the Bills are doing their due diligence on on Fournette, they may not have to look any further than internally and, t- and go talk to T.J. Yeldon about the potential of adding him. Absolutely, that was the next name I was going to mention. Um, you mentioned T.J. Yeldon possibly being the uh, second back and the Bills not even looking for a a running back in the early rounds this year. Um, Should Bills Mafia be confident with T.J. Yeldon being the RB2 heading into the year if we don't look at running back in the draft? Well, so I'll say that even if the Bills don't address running back early in the draft, I still think there's a potential for a day three running back to assume the the RB2 role. My contention has been that if T.J. Yeldon earns that spot, I would feel just as comfortable with him as some of the other names mentioned, you know, especially on the free agent market. I mean, the checkered injury history of a Devonta Freeman, even with his, his uh, high point in his career, I think that's concerning. I think that Lamar Miller is coming off of an ACL, I believe, and you don't know if he's going to be the same guy. And Carlos Hyde, I like Carlos Hyde. I think that that would be the most appealing of the free agent running backs that are left. But um, I think he's probably looking for more of a pronounced role uh, he rushed for over a thousand yards last year, and I think he might want to go to a team where he may get the bulk of the work somewhere. I think that he's more, and I think that fits him more. I think he's more of a he needs to, you know, uh, as opposed to getting a handful of touches and making an impact with those touches, he needs some uh, volume. So, if the Bills go running back, I'm I'm fine with it. it from anywhere from the second to seventh round. Like, I, I don't have a problem with it. My contention, just like I said, has been that T.J. Allen is a guy coming off of a 2018 season where he was a backup. He, he amassed 900 uh, all-purpose yards and had five touchdowns. I think that you add that to this offense last year, and I think that that would have spiked things a little bit. Uh, I'm not saying that T.J. Yeldon was the difference in the Bills winning a playoff game or oh, yeah. potentially making a – but I just think that it would have been better. You don't need – you don't need defined roles anymore. I, I think San Francisco has proven that uh, mm-hmm. the, at the running back spot. I mean, they, Raheem Mostert, uh, Kevin Coleman, Breida. Yeah, they're, they're all guys that can do multiple things. So you want speed. You want uh, the ability to catch the ball. You don't want to be 
uh, predictable with what you're doing. And every time that Frank Gore stepped on the field, you knew what was coming. I mean, put nine in the box because the, when yeah. he was touching the ball, it was going in between the tackles. And, and you saw that his um, success rate really declined over the course of the year. Yes. Yeah, he started off – I mean, he was running the ball pretty hard at the beginning. He was getting some good care, uh, runs. But later in the season, it just it just died for him. And it sucks seeing Singletary, who was averaging – what, was it over five yards a carry, correct? Yeah, he finished with five and a – almost five and a half a carry. Now, that came from early on in the year. I think he was averaging like 12 a carry for the first three <laughs> yeah. games. Uh, three games. But, um, no, he, he was real good last year. All right. I'm going to move on to the uh, – defensive end position in the draft. Um, would you be willing to take a guy like Julian Aquara from Notre Dame, who's a very raw talent, he's coming off a broken leg um, in his senior season, or a guy that I know you've mentioned and Bill's Matthew would probably love is Josh Uche from Michigan. A little undersized, but he's coming off a seven-sack season at Michigan and led his team. Would you be willing to go D-end in that second, third-round slot and uh, take running backs in the later rounds like McFarland from Maryland? <laughs> Uh, J.J. Taylor from Arizona, or even uh, Evans from Appalachian State, who the Bills apparently really like and have been on a FaceTime call with him previously. Yeah. So I think um, another name to watch later in the, in the draft is maybe Josh Kelly from UCLA. I think that he kind of uh, – he had a nice week at the Senior Bowl, and I actually just posted a story. I didn't include him in the five Senior Bowl guys that you know to watch. But I think the Senior Bowl is going to play pretty big in this draft because teams had a chance to go out to Mobile for three to six days there and really dive into not only the interview process, which is important, but get a chance to watch these guys work in practice. And so uh, a guy like Josh Kelly, who if you go and watch some of the uh, articles that were written that week, was a real, you know, most people said he was a winner from that week. So um, I think that's a name to watch. But I'm, I'm definitely on the edge train in the um, second only because there's such a drop off and um, you know, but it also depends on who you like and where you can find them. So I know that the bills have, have met now twice at the senior bowl in the combine with Bradley and I uh, from Utah. If that's a guy that you think you could target in the third round, either with staying at 86 or moving around, trading up, trading down, and you really like him and you think he's the fit and he's not met that much lower on your board than Aquara or Terrell Lewis or, Uche, then yeah, sure, do that. But you've got to make that decision for yourself. And here's the thing, though. I would caution against anybody clinging to the idea that there's any huge needs going into this draft. I don't think that the Bills need an edge rusher, need a cornerback, need a running back. They don't need any of those things. I think if you roll out the, the trio of Jerry Hughes, uh, Mario Addison, and Trent Murphy in 2020, you are absolutely fine. And I think that that combination has a – you know, a chance to be even better uh, than the combination that was run last year with Shaq Lawson. I think Addison's an improvement as a pure pass rusher. And I think Trent Murphy can be that multi-talented pass rusher slash run stuffer. Uh, He's got to be a little bit better, you know, more consistent. Uh, But I think Jerry Hughes being 100% will will help that. And the interior presence that they've added and, and the jump I think Ed Oliver will take. I think that defensive line will be better in 2020. So there's no specific, like, immediate need. And to be uh-huh. honest with you, no matter who they draft at this point, I still think Trent Murphy's on the roster in 2020, which makes it even more difficult for anybody that they draft to get, you know, bulk snaps. I mean, we're yeah. probably looking at 
any edge rusher that ends up on the roster at anywhere from 30 to 40% of the snaps. So how much of an impact player is that going to be? Uh, I'm not sure. So I think a guy like, you know, a Kyle Duggar has a chance to do multiple things like play the big nickel, be that first backup safety uh, behind Poyer and Micah high. We've seen the last two seasons. There's one stretch where Poyer missed some time. Um, and one stretch where Micah Hyde missed some time. I think they were pretty much healthy last year. Um, so I don't think anybody – I can't remember now. It's all mixing together. But, you know, obviously Jordan Poirier with the injury history that he has, you want some, some stability there. And I think a guy that's versatile that can do multiple things, like a Kyle Duggar or a Jeremy Chin or even an Ashton Davis, um, those are intriguing names at 54 where I think that kind of guy, if they're high enough on the Bills board, has a chance to make more of an impact in 2020, if that's even how the, the Bills are looking at this. Like, they're probably looking at this like, listen, we got a lot of guys we got to re-sign in the next three years. Like, I mean, we're, we, we talked a lot about Matt Milano and Deion Dawkins and uh, Jordan Poyer just got his and Tredavious White's going to have his come up. But you look past that and, you know, you're talking about a ton of guys that, you know, big, big dollar guys. Tremaine Edmonds is going to cost. Josh yeah. Allen – if, they, if he has the kind of year that people are expecting, he is going to cost. So, um, you know, finding guys that, you know, I, I even read that a guy like Jeremy uh, or like Kyle Duggar could even be the long-term plan to replace Matt Milano if the Bills don't want to, uh, you know, he might uh, project better as a weak side linebacker than he does even in, in the Buffalo nickel role or at safety. Uh, and that's something you got to think about because once you start getting into the game of, of giving – 10 plus million dollar contracts to two guys at a position group. Tremaine Edmonds is definitely getting that. And Matt Milano is going to command that. So you got to make those tough decisions and what's more replaceable. You found your middle linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds. Now you got to go out uh, and, and maybe replace Milano. If you think that that's too high of a price. So, um, so many different directions they can go in this draft for sure. Yeah. So many holes to fill. Uh, absolutely. Not holes, but I mean, death positions and they could get, they can improve every position no matter what in this draft. Uh, I want to ask you a question about uh, trading up or trading down. Do you think it's more likely for Brandon Bean to trade up to get his guy, like say five picks, say Dobbins is still available, and they're like, you know, I want to trade up and get this uh, get this guy for uh, Singletary, or do you think it's more likely he trades down in the second round to uh, gain more draft capital? So it's interesting. I think it's almost a lock that – the Bills will not trade up for a running back. In fact, the Brandon Bean's draft history, aside from Christian McCaffrey, which I think that they viewed him as what he's become and a guy yeah. that's the top running back in the in the league, I don't think uh, Brandon Bean's never taken – the only other running back he's ever taken in the first five rounds was uh, Cameron Artis Payne. And so I don't think that he values that position the way that maybe some other GMs do. So to, to think trading up would be in play for that position, I don't think so. I think trading down makes a lot more sense at that spot, especially with what I've heard about the Bills liking Cam Akers. Uh, okay, from, uh, yeah, and so um, I would say more likely trade down. Okay. Um, and then I just want to talk about the wide receiver group quick. Um, I love Chase Claypool. Um, if, he's there, <laughs> if he's there at 54, um, I'd be disappointed if he – uh, the Bills didn't select them. He had 1,000 yards and 13 touchdowns his senior year. He impressed at the senior bowl, and he ran a 4-4-2-40, which 
um, is very quick for a big guy like that. Um, uh, if there was a wide receiver available at 54, uh, who do you like? Uh, sorry, my things fell out. What, did you, what was the question? I, I said uh, if there was a wide receiver available at 54, uh, who, would, who would you want it to be and who, like, who would you take? See, for me, I think because of what they did with Stefan Diggs, the move at receiver, if you like one of these guys, would be to trade down and try to target one of them. Because, like, if you say you have a pool of guys, like, there's a real potential that at 54, Higgins, well, I don't still, I still don't think Higgins will be there at 54 yeah. because there's too many plugged in guys that, that had him as the top, one of the top five receivers before all this debacle that even with the question marks, I still think he goes before 54. But, you know, if Chanel falls, um, Pittman, if somehow Denzel Mims is there and Claypool, I think that that whole little um, pack of receivers there, um, Hamler is another name. Uh, I think you trade down and see what's about – see what – as my daughter dumps salt all over that oh, little no. table over there. Um, uh, it's a fun time in the quarantine life out here. Uh, no, oh, so, uh, so, yeah, I would trade down if you want a receiver just because you went out and got Stefan Diggs and you want to give yourself, you know, more bullets uh, in that top top 100 to add some players. If you, can, if you could trade down in the second to maybe the Ravens pick, and add that third-round pick, too, That's what that I was, makes to yeah. me what much more sense if you're going to target a receiver. Because I think you can get Claypool at the bottom of the second round. At 54, it just might be a little high, even though I'm high on him, too. Yeah. I just think that you can't spend that resource after you just went out and traded for Stefan Diggs with your first-round pick. Okay. Speaking of Stefan Diggs, if Trevon Diggs fell to our pick, I know his stock's falling, his deep speed – they talked about is kind of tough, but he has the physical ability to uh, push the receiver right right at the two yard two yards from scrimmage. Uh, do you think? Would you like Trevon Diggs as a, a Buffalo Bill? He's there, one hundred percent. That's honestly, I'm pretty sure that's the only corner that has the potential to fall that I would consider a fifty four. Okay. Um, that I think might be on the Bills board. It's funny, uh, PFF, who you know. I'm, I'm, I'm hot yeah, and cold on PFF. Yeah, they don't like the Bills that much. I mean, it's not even – I don't think that they – they're just very about their brand and about, like, you know, you know their metrics, and, and they don't yeah. deviate from that, which is fine. But I think that when it comes to sports, you really have to use your eyes too. Uh, it can't all be about what the numbers are telling you because, you know, there's another number, and it's called wins and losses. And I know it's not a quarterback stat, but yeah. – you're winning games with a quarterback to a certain point. I think it should matter. Anyway, PFF um, had an interesting comp for Trayvon Diggs. They said that his NFL comp is Josh Norman, which makes me think, okay, if the Bills get him on tape and they like what he brings in that physical role, you kind of bring him in here to learn from Josh Norman as a rookie, uh, a depth piece, and then all of a sudden you, you make Levi Wallace and EJ Gaines super depth. Um, that's a that's a home run pick if you can get it. I don't think he's going to be there at 54, though, even with yeah, the, you, the late smoke, which uh, his stock's falling. I, I think he's going to be gone at the latest, probably in the 40s. Okay, you think you think he will be gone. Now, do you think Bean is like would trade up for uh, a guy like Diggs? If, or, <sighs> no, it would have to be somebody he had a super high grade on. first round grade on. I, okay. I don't think trading into the 30s is possible. Like, if you look okay. at the trade chart, 
it would cost too much to get up into the 30s um, at that early second round. So then you look at the 40s. And I, I did the track. I looked at the, the value chart. And I thought the, the earliest or the highest he might be able to jump with the assets he has and the, his, you know, known penchant for wanting to, you know, keep draft capital healthy into the future is probably 49 in, in the Steelers. So, you know, he gave a great example of how the bills look at the draft and how they evaluate as it's happening. And so they'll, look at a pool of players say like 10 picks to go until they draft and they say they have seven six or seven guys that they have with a substantial grade high enough to where they want one of these guys it's one of their dudes they'll watch and see how many of the other guys go as the draft goes on and if they get to three picks before and there's only one guy left that's when you'll see him move and so if Trevon Diggs was one of those guys yeah, sure. I totally yeah. think that he'll do that and want to move up to like that 49 spot or 50, but, um, or even any of the other players, like an edge rusher, say uh, Terrell Lewis is a guy they like, or Uche, and, and they fall to 49. And they know the Steelers, you know, they love adding defensive line, even with Watt and Dupree. And, you know, they, they franchise Dupree. So, um, you know, they might be looking for an edge of the future. You, you, you always got to consider all that. So, uh, yeah, I think I would not rule out anything with Dean when it yeah, comes he's, to you know, maneuvering in the draft. He's, he mm-hmm. loves to do it. Uh, I just think that this is a tough year because he had to give up so much capital to get digs. All right. Uh, great, great draft coverage here by you. Uh, awesome job. Um, I'm going to ask you one last question and not pertain to the draft, but something um, I want to ask you just because I'm curious. Um. Do the Bills win the AFC East this year is the first question. And the second question is, give me the main reason why you think the Bills will win the AFC East this year. The, the main reason, like your number one thing, why the Bills will win the AFC East this year, if you think they will. So I think the Bills will win the AFC East this year. And I think that um, even if the scenario is the Bill or the Patriots add – you know, Peter King put out his mock draft today and had him trade enough to get Tua. Um, the Dolphins probably get Herbert in that scenario. Or maybe they don't get two of the Patriots, but the Dolphins get one of the two and the Patriots add a Winston or a Newton. Even if all of that plays out, I think that the core of the Bills has been built. The continuity is there. I think there's going to be a better – I think you're going to see a better offensive line in 2020, and that's mm-hmm. with them just adding Daryl Williams so far in terms of a guy that could push for a starting spot, which tells me they're confident in what they already have on the roster. And they should be because, you know, the Bills made a jump on the offensive line from uh, Josh Allen's first year to the last year. Uh, But all those guys were playing together for the first time. The only holdover was Deion Dawkins, four new starters. Uh, They'll be even better this year. And I still think this is an elite defense with the chance Josh Norman could get anywhere close to what he used to be. I think they could be the best defense in the league. And when you have that, um, you know, the 49ers got to replace DeForest Buckner. Um, yeah. That's a big loss. Don't get me wrong. Bosa's, Bosa's great. A beast. Um, and Eric Armstead is great. But we'll see what that means without that, that force in the middle that opened up a lot of, um, you know, things for them. They have D Ford as well. So they got a nice defensive line. But I think that this Bills defensive line is intriguing. If Hughes is healthy, Addison brings – that same production, nine, ten sacks this season. 
You got Trent Murphy, and then the, on the interior, you have so much potential. Yeah. I mean, Quentin Jefferson, I didn't know anything about him. And you start to look at tape and see his win rate as a pass rusher combined with that Oliver, who was also top 10 in win rate as a pass rusher last year. And it's like, man, this, these dudes could be real nasty in the interior. It would open things up for Jerry and company. So, um, and I also think this linebacker core with Milano and, and Edmonds is going to be scary for teams in year two. And then you have maybe a top three, top two secondary, probably the best safety tandem, or at least the, mo- the most continuity in a safety mm-hmm. tandem. And Absolutely. arguably the best corner and potentially Josh Norman, former all pro corner, you know, if he can return to form. So listen, there's so much potential here and we haven't even talked about Josh Allen and what I think he can maybe uh, do to improve. So, yeah, I think the bills are, are the favorite. They should be the favorite. Um, I know Brandon Bean and company have to talk about, you know, you to be the man, you got to beat the man and the, and the Patriots have been the man in the AFC East, but they're not the same giant that they were. And Tom Brady's not there anymore. Uh, I thought that they were beatable last year, even with him in mold, that the Bills are the better team in the week four game. And, and really, the defense shows up even a little bit more in week 16. I thought they were the better team. So, they were the, they um, were in that game for sure, yep. So, yeah, I'd say Bills, uh, Bills won the division in, in 2020. All right, guys, you heard it here first from uh, Matt Prino from NY Up that the Bills, he, th- <laughs> he does believe the Bills will win the AFC East in 2020. Um, Matt, it was a, a great time having you. Thank, thank you so much for coming on my podcast. No problem, man. Um, next podcast will be post-draft. I'll break it all down for you guys. Give some uh, grades on the players, what I liked, what I didn't like. Um, this will be posted later today. And uh, Matt, thank you so much again. And go Bills, man. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Yeah, you too. Later, buddy. Yeah, later.